Yo, yo, yo. This is the Optimistic Fan Podcast, the home for crazy, passionate, and overly optimistic sports fans. And in this week's episode, I address some updates for the show using my own version of a soapbox. I also dive into COVID-19 and its effects on college athletics. And last but not least, I answer your questions with my own outrageous opinions. We've got a lot to cover, so let's jump into the show. Well, hello and welcome back to the Optimistic Fan Podcast. I'm your host, Sean Munt, and I wanted to start this episode with giving you guys a little bit of updates on the show, uh, a few changes, but first and foremost, I wanted to give another shout out to Coach Matt Sanders of the Calvary Warriors for being on the show last week. If y'all didn't get a chance to listen to that episode, go back and go listen to the part where coach's doorbell rings about six times. And so the greatest thing about that was that um, through each of those doorbell rings, you could tell coach was just trying to focus in on the question that I was asking him, but he spoke like a champ, kept focused like a champ. So once again, just thank you so much for being on the show. Um, To kind of get started, I wanted to tell you guys a little bit about some more structure that I wanted to add to the show by just providing you guys with a few different segments. So look forward to that in the future. I will also bring people on at various times to join me for their perspective uh, on a particular sport um, or something going on and then their experience within the sport as well. As I get into um, this next this next topic, uh, please feel free to skip ahead if I get off on a giant soapbox, but I plan not to go too long. So anyways, I've had a bumpy journey with this podcast and it's made me feel, I would say, super vulnerable at times. And vulnerability is where you're at risk to physical or emotional attack or harm. And so a lot of times this podcast, well, it, it, still still feels scary to me in many ways. First, number one, being wrong. And as I listen back to five of the episodes, I think to myself, okay, there were a lot of times that I was wrong. One of them was uh, referring the Raiders um, as being the Oakland Raiders. And I know that that is such a silly slip up because honestly, they just moved to Las Vegas. And ever since I was a kid, they've always been the garbage Oakland Raiders. Um, and there's a few other mess ups, I'm sure within the episodes that other people can point out, but I'm okay with that. Uh, second scary thing is I'm the classic case of overthinking about overthinking. And I look at how many people can I call or text during the week to just reassure me that everything's okay and to basically pump up my courage. Third, expectations, which quite honestly, I'm tired of expectations, but I know it's part of the gig. Fourth, not knowing enough. Will I flub? 
I'm going to flub a bunch, especially with a lot of my obviously optimistic opinions and my predictions. But I think that's the fun of it. So overall, guys, I'm in the suck of new. So I recently listened to a Brene Brown podcast that I've probably listened to about seven times and had on repeat. Uh, Shout out to my cousin Emily for telling me about this. Um, I did not know that Brene Brown started a podcast, but she actually did this very recently, I think within the month of March. Um, She's experiencing the same thing, but obviously Brene Brown is a lot more talented than myself. But when she experiences something new or these new moments, she calls them FFTs, freaking first times. Now, she changes out the word freaking for another word, but I'm going to stick with that. When you're in an FFT, she says, the first thing you want to do, okay, let me rewind for a second. When you're in an FFT, there's three things that she says you should do. Number one, normalize it. Number two, put it in perspective. And number three, reality check it. All right, let's start with number one, normalize it. For the podcast, that's that's my FFT right now. So when you normalize it, ask yourself questions such as, what am I confused about? What am I stuck on? What's got me saying, oh my gosh, why did I ever think I could do this? My usual approach is, for me, is, okay, yeah, I think I can do this. I think I'm going to be great at this. And then I jump into something new and I realize, wow, I actually kind of suck at this. But... By asking yourself those questions, you're able to give it a name and recognize that you're white knuckling it. You're allowing yourself to have power over this new thing. So moving into number two, put it in perspective. Recognize and know this isn't a permanent feeling. It doesn't mean that I suck at everything. And I've really had to tell myself that a lot especially with doing this podcast, I've really had to just, okay, what is it, what does it mean to put, to put it in perspective for me? So I have to tell myself that this is how I should feel when something is new. And although I would probably argue that the majority of the time I don't tell myself this because I'm so stuck on making it perfect, but when I put it in perspective, it also tells me that, okay, look, this will take twice the amount of time. And I'm, guys, I'm one of the most impatient people out there. I want things to happen quickly. Um, I'm your perfect example of an impulse buyer. No time to wait or think about it. Give me the product, give it to me now, and I'm good to go. And then normally, few days down the road, I regret the decision. Also, I'm podcasting in my garage. I have my laptop set up on a few pieces of wood that I haven't quite figured out how to screw together. And then getting into number three, Brown says to reality check expectations. Uh, She quotes this twice, and I love this quote. It says that expectations are just resentments waiting to happen. And I want to repeat that one more time. Expectations are just resentments waiting to happen. So if I expect too much of myself, then disappointment is just waiting for me on the other side because I know that being hard on myself completely exhausts me. 
some ex- some expectations that I've tried to reality check are knowing that there's always and will always be someone who can do this a lot better than myself. But that's okay because this is my show and I have to make it my own. I have to have fun with it and truly know that I'm not going to feel like this forever. And we all eventually learn this, right? That whatever new thing that we started on, once we know the skills that we eventually need, it becomes more comfortable to us and we get good at it and we continue on that process. So I just am constantly reminding myself and reality checking that, Sean, you're not going to feel like this forever. That when you press that record button, those nerves are eventually going to disappear. And maybe they won't, but I think as I start getting into it more or, you know, more minutes into the recording of the podcast, I obviously get a little bit more comfortable, which is good. So guys, welcome to one of my FFTs, the Optimistic Fan Podcast. I'm constantly learning, letting my mind open up to new perspectives. I'm able to see through this show and so many other things, how important sports are to all of us. Because, look, I'm your typical sports fan. I'm, I'm, I'm your typical average sports fan, okay? I love all Denver-based teams. I bleed orange and blue for the Denver Broncos. I have my outrageous, optimistic opinions that most likely, in the end, are not going to come true. I either know the what-whats or the who-whos, or I know both of them or I don't know both of them. And it's back and forth. So... I think the one great thing about seeing different perspectives and seeing what sports brings to us is that it builds community. It brings out the crazy, passionate side of us, the side that so many people either want to agree or disagree with or even punch you in the face for. And I can bring that out in people for sure. Sports showcases the competitive side of people It causes outrageous arguments and debates, which, yeah, can arguably be unhealthy and healthy at times. But it's more than just a game on TV. It goes as far as having that untouchable feeling of playing a game with your friends in a vacant lot. Yes, I'm referring to the Sandlot. (laughs) So going forward, I invite you in on my FFT. And I hope you all enjoy the ride as much as I will. And... Because trust me, it's going to get bumpy. So thanks for listening. So I want to bring you the idea of COVID-19's effect on college sports. And it's been crazier than I thought. I love talking professional sports and professional football. And over the past few years, I've definitely gotten into a lot more college sports, which has got me, you know, pumped up and excited. Um, and I, and I thought of everything going on, you know, within this pandemic and, you know, is college football going to start on time and, you know, the loss of March madness, which was terrible. And I was thinking of all the effects that this virus has had on colleges, especially, um, starting to really think a lot more, um, after talking with, uh, coach last week. And some of my first initial thoughts 
of how it impacted college athletics were so far out there. I knew that colleges were shutting down uh, for a semester and then came to find out, you know, the rest of the year. But I figured, yeah, you know, they'll get it all figured out. And yes, as I said before, canceling March Madness absolutely sucked. For the first time last year, I was actually did pretty decent at some of those brackets. And it's always fun filling those out because it's such a coin flip. Like, and who's gonna, who's the major underdog? Um, who's gonna, you know, work their way up through the sweet 16 and into the final four. And it's exciting. But I think I was more upset because it was affecting me and I didn't really account for everyone else around me. So with the winter and spring tournaments, you know, getting canceled, the NCAA took a major financial hit, and I didn't know this. And recently, the Board of Governors actually voted unanimously to distribute $225 million in June to Division I members to specifically focus on supporting college athletes through this time. And this is good news, especially for all the athletes missing out on big chances to be recognized in big-time tournaments. And initially, the distribution was around $600 million for conferences and schools, but I'm not sure if all that is being distributed or how they're exactly approaching it. And as I looked kind of deeper within this, the loss of big tournament revenue has had an even more major impact as well. The NCAA has an insurance policy for lost tournament revenue, which is good, but they're finding more and more about their policy that it isn't really paying off dollar for dollar. And they still hope to pay off the rest of the distribution using the loan that they acquired um, for this, you know, big tournament revenue. And more and more cuts are taking place that won't even make the news. And I'm sure this is, you know, you know, certain people um, within uh, the college athletic program. And even crazier is that these athletic department budgets are being slashed. And schools are trying to stay open. Schools who are trying to stay open might question the importance of having an athletic, an athletics program at all. This is sad, especially with those athletes who can't necessarily get into a Division One school. But my other thought is, I'm wondering, and maybe this is true that Division Two and Division Three schools are being impacted even more heavily. Um, and students are asking for room and board back or uh, room and board refunds, which those equal out to tens of millions being lost. And a lot of those smaller schools rely on those funds in order to support their athletics program. And then venues, those are our concern as well. Some big questions are the venues that they rented out for these tournaments, are they still asking for full payment? Um, upon the agreed contract made, this is still unknown, but a lot of longtime partners might handle such issues differently, wishing to maintain the partnership that they already have. To me, it kind of seems maybe like a lose-lose situation if both are losing millions and millions of dollars. And then comes the question of college football, because this is the next big-time college sport coming up in the fall. And there's lots of challenges ahead. And I hope by all means that football will be on track to start on time and be as normal as possible. 
because optimistically that's what I'm thinking, but reality check, Sean, this won't be the case. And one of the challenges is getting through an entire season. Will colleges start on time? Um, will the season start on time? Some colleges are, are ready, you know, depending on their state requirements and some aren't ready. Um, from what it looks like, the SEC is probably the most ready compared to a lot of other schools and conferences. And there's also some talk on, on how some teams may play and some won't, or they'll start later. But how does that work? And in my opinion, that's going to be super hard to do. Some alternatives that they're looking into, okay, check these out. A fall season without fans, which, look, I can watch a sports game without fans. Do I necessarily want to? No, but I love that, like, pump-up crowd noise. Uh, two, another one is having a shortened season and having primarily conference games. Okay, at least we get a little bit of football. I'll take it. Still a little out there for me. Um, another alternative is they could have a delayed season, which could begin as late as the spring of 2021, which, what does that even mean? They'll play through the summer? I don't get that. That doesn't make any sense to me, so throw that one out. And last, they could have an interrupted season in the event that a second wave of the virus strikes. So all these alternatives lead me to believe that this won't work in some regards if they're not all on the same page and doing the exact same thing. A lot of schools have voluntarily opened up their you know, practice facilities, which I think is awesome. And I'm hoping that through this, they'll see that, okay, you know, we can let we can let more people in. We could we could actually probably do this. Um, and this is already devastating for college football. And we already saw that with, you know, college basketball. But there have been some reports of canceling the 2020 season. And if they did that, okay, reports say that that would result in a $4 billion loss. And Power 5 conferences would stand to lose a combined total of $1.2 billion in ticket revenue. So more importantly, like this sport needs fan revenue. Do all sports need fan revenue? Absolutely. Do professional sports need it? Yes, but probably not as much as colleges do. Um, because it, the fan revenue keeps athletic programs alive. Um, some schools have toyed with the idea of letting fans in stadiums, but at a certain capacity. So I'm thinking, okay, does this mean limited tickets are available and our ticket price is going to be driven up? Will people pay an outrageous amount of money to sit in the stadium? Honestly, I'd probably do this because being in a stadium is so much more enjoyable. Eh, maybe depending on the ticket prices. <laughs> and is it, is it worth it? Uh, you know, absolutely it's worth it because that that is such an experiment experience. And... You know, as, we, as we've seen, the virus has completely changed the atmosphere of college athletics, okay, in sports in general. We know that. But my overall thought is, okay, this is the optimistic me. I believe everything is going to start on time with definitive restrictions. And if I'm being maybe a little bit more realistic, then maybe some teams will play and some won't, or it gets narrowed down to a shorter season with conference play conference play. But either way, that seems still a little too far out there for me. 
Q&A time, baby. This by far is going to be my favorite thing doing with you guys each week. A big thank you to all of you who sent in questions for the podcast. We have some good ones. One of our listeners asked, what are my thoughts on Tom Brady going to Tampa Bay and bringing on Rob Ronkowski? And is Tom Brady hated more or less after leaving New England? Well, let me answer the first question here. What are my thoughts on Tom Brady going to Tampa Bay and bringing Ronk? Number one, this was probably the most awkward team that Tom Brady could have chosen. And when he announced it, it felt really awkward as well. For one, why the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? Then I saw, okay, they got Bruce Arians, um, obviously a way better coach uh, than last year. They were looking probably to get rid of Jameis Winston, although I feel like that guy probably has had enough chances uh, being in Tampa Bay, but I thought his season was decent. Okay, let's put aside the fact that he threw for 30 interceptions and then threw for 30 touchdowns, so 30 for 30, okay? But he won some big-time games, and he had a lot of big-time comebacks, and even if he didn't win the game, he was still close to winning the game, but I'm sure a lot would argue that's not enough, though. So when I first heard you know, Tom Brady doing this, I, I looked back on all the other quarterbacks who haven't ended their career with um, teams that they've been with for so long. Uh, you know, I think of Joe Montana uh, with the 49ers, and I think he ended up you know, ending his career in KC. And then I look at Brett Favre and how many times that guy wanted to come back and play. And then I thought of Peyton Manning. And as much as I love Peyton Manning, I never saw him in a Broncos uniform until I really, obviously I got used to it and I loved it. And, um, but when he initially was choosing between the San Francisco 49ers and the Denver Broncos, I thought there's no way Peyton Manning is going to look good in a 49ers uniform. And I thought this for Tom Brady, there's no way that the colors of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are going to look good than how good they looked when Tom Brady was in a New England Patriots uniform. So Tom going down to Tampa Bay, I'm pretty even on everything with it. I think it's a good thing. Um, I only think he's got a few years left in the tank, but he is the GOAT, and that's another conversation for another day. But I like it. And I think bringing on Rob Gronkowski – I wouldn't say it's a dirty move. I'd say it's kind of more of a little bit of punch, punch in the gut for Bill Belichick. Um, and you know, the question of was Rob Gronkowski selfish, only wanting to play for Tom Brady. Look, the man can do what he wants to do. Um, and if he wants to play for Tom Brady, he wants to play for Tom Brady is Tom Brady hated more or less after leaving New England, I think he's hated less, but I guess it depends because I'm not a New England Patriots fan, nor will I ever be. And trust me, it's taken me a long time to come to terms that Tom Brady is most likely, and we could argue about this, we already have, and we continue, we will continue to do so, 
but one of the, you know, the greatest quarterback of all time. But I guess if I'm in the shoes of a Patriots fan, eh, yeah, I might hate him more. Um, but if I'm not a Patriots fan, you know, like I am now, I would say he's hated less. And I think that's solely on the fact that he is in the NFC now. Okay. So being a Broncos fan, it was a big deal playing Tom Brady, uh, during the season, although the Broncos have his number. Okay. But even for, if you're a fan of an AFC team getting to the playoffs, there was always the trial of, can you beat Tom Brady in the playoffs when that's where he dominates most? So I would say, you know, being now, now that he's in the NFC, it's not a big deal. Our next question is, is Rob Gronkowski truly healthy? Rob Gronkowski is 100% healthy. And I think if he wasn't, he wouldn't come back to football. And I think taking those, you know, taking that year off um, or however long he took off, um, obviously, you know, gave him the healing that he needed. So Andrew Luck, if you're out there, pretty sure you're healed by now. Pretty sure you need to come back and dominate. Okay. We need you back in the league. So yes, Rob Gronkowski is truly healthy. Do I think Rob Gronkowski will be the same player he was a few years ago for the New England Patriots? No. I think there are other great players on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and these guys have a three tight end set right now. So they have three great tight ends, um, which I don't think he's obviously going to play full time. But, and plus, that dude has failed me constantly year after year in fantasy football. So if I were you, don't pick up this guy in fantasy football. He's going to fail you once again. All right, moving on. Our next question. I love this one. Is Aaron Rodgers about to have a lights out season? Or we, or sorry, we, we, <laughs> or will he want to play somewhere else? Aaron Rodgers is about to freaking light up the NFL. Okay. Because a man by the name of Jordan Love came to town and said, I'm about to take your position in, I would say, less than about three years, okay? Do I think Aaron Rodgers will play for those three years? I mean, he's got four years left on his contract. I do. I think I think Aaron Rodgers ends his contract with the Green Bay Packers. Do I think he retires as a Green Bay Packer without playing for another team? No. Aaron Rodgers will go to another team. Not sure which one that is, but he'll definitely obviously probably come back, sign a one-day contract to retire with the Packers. But I think he has a chip on his shoulder, and I think he's going to show that he is still in his prime, that he, yes, he's obviously getting as old as Tom Brady, may not have that AARP car yet, but... Uh, I think he's going to have a great season. I'm excited to see what he does. And honestly, I think he's going to teach Jordan Love a ton. And I think he's going to approach it from that standpoint and not necessarily the standpoint of uh, this guy's – I mean, like, I'm sure he was offended by them drafting this position, obviously, because he came out and said, doesn't look like I'll be a Green Bay Packer forever, you know, kind of thing. But we'll see where it goes. All right, next question we got is Christian McCaffrey now the highest paid running back ever. 
deserved for his running back play or because he's more of a receiver and he's actually a way underpaid receiver. Uh, no, Christian McCaffrey is not a way underpaid receiver. Uh, if anything, Christian McCaffrey deserved every bit of that money that is going to him for the fact that he carries the team on his back. And it obviously wasn't Cam Newton, but he's now in the you know record books of having the 1,000-yard receiving season and the 1,000-yard rushing season, which is, I think he's only the third player to do that, which is insane. Um, if you look back on you know, his last few years of playing with the Carolina Panthers, it's gotten better. But he's that dynamic back that any team would drool over to have. So this was much deserved, and all kudos to that guy. I hope he continues what he, um, you know, is is and has been doing. And plus, he's on my fantasy football team. Uh, C-Mac, you are my keeper again for the second year in a row. Knock on wood, please don't get hurt. <laughs> all right, last, moving on to our last question. Cole Beasley, who is a receiver for the Buffalo Bills, and Odell Beckham Jr., the receiver for the Cleveland, Blah, Blah, Cleveland Browns, averaged similar yards to last year. Has OBJ lost his mojo, or does Cleveland suck that bad? Do I have to answer this question? Because I think many of you know what I'm going to say. Cleveland is that bad. They are terrible. Now, with the new head coach, Kevin Stefanski, this year, I think they'll be a lot better team. Um, they've only changed their coaching and front office staff about a million times within the past few seasons. But I don't think we can compare Cole Beasley to OBJ. If you look back on all the seasons OBJ played with the Giants, he had constant back-to-back 1,000-yard receiving seasons and crazy amount of touchdowns. Um one season, he I think he only averaged like, averaged like 300 yards. Um, I think that's the year. I think he broke his leg that year. Or he was, or was that the year he was sniffing cocaine off of his girlfriend in the hotel that he was not even punished for? Um, I don't know. <laughs> but I'm pretty sure that's the year he broke his leg. Um, and Cole Beasley, he's a great receiver. I think he got a decent contract through Buffalo. I think he should be appreciated more than he is right now because I think he's one of the best slot receivers in the league. Um, he didn't have, obviously, record-breaking years in Dallas because I think he was so overlooked by, you know, um, Des Bryant and Amari Cooper and, you know, all those other big-time receivers. So that's if – I'm trying to think if Amari Cooper played with him. No, I'm pretty sure, yeah. They, he, yeah, he played with him. Um, but no, the Browns still suck that bad. I don't think OBJ has lost his mojo. He didn't score as many touchdowns last year, but he still hit a thousand yards in receiving. I think if we see OBJ come back to the spotlight again, uh, they need to bench Baker Mayfield. So y'all know my thoughts on Baker Mayfield to me for Baker Mayfield. It's a, it's a shut up or put up, you know, this year. So we'll see. Well, guys, keep sending me your questions about sports. I want to hear uh, your thoughts. If you want to hear my thoughts on a certain um, outtake or an opinion, 
please let me know. And as always, leave a review on iTunes. This really helps the show grow. Tell your friends about the show. Follow me on Instagram and comment. Uh, Follow me on my Facebook group page, The Optimistic Fan. Next episode, we're going to talk a little bit about The Last Dance and Project 11. And that was about Alex Smith and his gruesome leg injury. Let me know your thoughts ahead of the episode. I've really done well with not listening to other podcasts or uh, analysts about The Last Dance because I just want to get my own take on this. Um, And yes, I'm behind the game on that. (laughs) So I apologize. Send in your questions and comments. Do this with any other topic as well. Thank you for listening in to the podcast today. Stay tuned for next week. Stay classy and stay safe.